Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance and the USA Wealth Group alongside Phil Paleologus. Get your finances in order. Money Wise starts now. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to one of the most popular weekend shows with Ray Lance, brought to you by USA Wealth Group Money Wise with the Money Guys. And as always, your motto, your uh, you know, your, your whole mission in life is to help protect one's family and protect one's wealth. And I don't think there could be anything that is more important than that. Absolutely. Welcome, Phil. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I like your voice. Welcome to Money Wise. Oh, it's nice and deep. It's amazing what a little touch of pneumonia will oh, do for you. Oh, no, that's a heavy price to pay. <laughs> it's a heavy price to pay for a heavy voice. Oh, but, wow. But I'm feeling fine, just a little on the recovery side. So Pneumonia? Uh, just a little touch, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, another x-ray is due soon, and then we'll say it's gone for good. Tenny didn't give it to you, did she? No, Tenny doesn't give it to me. But uh, Tenny, by the way, is with us this morning. So welcome, Attorney Tenny Lance. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Good Sunday morning. Good Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a small but powerful woman. And she's very powerful when it comes to legal matters and protecting your assets and doing wills and trusts and Medicaid planning and all those good things. And we're going to be talking today, Tenny, about... Medicaid planning, because it's a very important subject, isn't it? It is. It's becoming more and more popular for people who are in the older age groups. Lots of them come to see me and want to talk about Medicaid. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the statistics. It's amazing how many people in Massachusetts are receiving Medicaid assistance. And it's really a reflection of the fact that we have a lot of people in need in this state. And we truly do. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about some things that are are important in the economy. The Wall Street Journal this past week, just a couple of days ago, said global economy loses steam. And they have Mm. a whole section called Outlook 2016. Markets are tanking. Economies are slowing. Monetary policy in the U.S., Europe, and Asia has just about reached its limits. That is, how much can you manipulate the currency and monetary policy to make a difference. That's what the Federal Reserve tries to do, of course. Um, But a lot of things just aren't plain working. And this whole section is really very good. If anybody has a chance to get the January 20th edition of the Wall Street Journal, I I commend it to your attention. It's not the kind of headlines we want to start the year off with, though. No, it's, for example, welcome to the crisis economy where tumult reigns. And uh, there are a lot of sources of problems and anxiety in the world right now. A weakening Chinese economy, collapsing oil prices, escalating tensions in the Middle East, and the possible financial dislocation as U.S. monetary policy tightens. A lot of forces happening all at the same time. And as we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, the stock market has opened up with record losses, uh, worse losses in eight years. The year ended in 2015 with uh, a loss for the entire year in the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, just lots and lots of issues and problems. So one of the things we always like to talk about is what are some of the ways that you can protect your money? Well, some of them involve talking with somebody like me, for example, because I deal in the financial arena. And then some of them involve talking with the person 
uh, of the stature of Tenny Lance, Attorney Tenny Lance, and talking about protecting your family with proper legal documents. The fact is that a lot of people in this country right now, a lot of people listening to this show today, are one small accident away from poverty. Too many people are living paycheck to paycheck, and it's not just the lower-income people, it's the middle-income people, and it's even upper-income people. We just don't have safety nets, we don't have reserves, we don't save enough. So here's some quick things that you need to think about doing to protect yourself in 2016. Get covered or lose your shirt. Make sure you have life insurance. I would be willing to bet that half the people listening today have no life insurance at all. And so what happens when you pass away, when you die? Are you going to have anybody who can pay for your your funeral and your burial? At a minimum, life insurance used to be thought of as, well, carry a $10,000 life insurance policy so you can afford to bury yourself. A lot of people don't even do that. But you do need to look at life insurance People with young families starting out need to look at life insurance. How do they protect their children if something happens to one of the parents? And it does. Possibly disability insurance. You wouldn't think of having a house without having homeowner's insurance. Um, Banks require it, of course. You can't drive a car in Massachusetts unless you have car insurance. Medical insurance is critical. I'm going to say a few words about that. Uh, possibly long-term care insurance. Uh, Tenny, that's an area that you work in. So make sure you take a look at your insurance coverages as you begin this year or any year. Next thing that's really important to look at, there's four quick steps I'm going to give you, and then we're going to move into our main topic this morning. Um, Learn to wait for Social Security benefits. If you can possibly put it off, I counsel people every single week about Maybe you're better off taking some money out of your IRA account first and let your Social Security account continue to accumulate. But we do it by the numbers. We can actually do um, an evaluation of that for you, and uh, it doesn't cost any money to do it. Um, Estate taxes, minimize taxes. I see people all the time, and I'm sure you do as well, Tenny, that have Larger estates, um, anything over a million dollars in assets in Massachusetts, you have a Massachusetts taxable estate. And you're not protected just by having joint tenancies, are you? No, the Massachusetts estate tax is one that is relatively easy for couples to avoid if their estate is less than $2 million. They can simply do a revocable living trust and preserve both of their $1 million exemptions. But uh, many people don't understand that. I had people in the office the other day who thought that uh, because they have joint tenancy and when one dies, everything goes to the other, that they are protected from the estate tax. That's not true because when the single spouse, the remaining spouse, inherits everything, if that spouse dies with a million dollars or more, then they will be subject their estate to an estate tax in Massachusetts. And it's really easy to get to that kind of a a number. Uh, A million dollars sounds like a lot of money, but if you have a house and it's paid for and you've got equity in it, you may have two, three, four hundred thousand dollars of equity in your house. Life insurance gets added onto that total. Retirement accounts gets added into that total. And it doesn't take a lot, does it, Tenny? No, it doesn't. And more and more since the um, basic 
economy, the underlying real estate economy, and um, what has happened over the last couple of years with stocks, that um, many people are finding that the appreciation of their assets have made them millionaires, in fact. And they're often very surprised when we sit down and add up all of their asset base to find out that they are, in fact, over the million-dollar limit. And we'll talk a little bit later, perhaps, about some differences between wills and trusts. There's sometimes a debate between whether you should have a will or whether you should have a trust. We'll talk about some of the differences in just a couple of minutes. One of the things I'd like to do is just talk very briefly about the fact that we're now in a new year. We have some new important tax rules. We've talked a little bit about that. Um, you've heard about the Affordable Care Act penalty. People are required to have health insurance, and there's government health insurance programs that you can sign up for. Well, the one thing you can't do is go without health insurance because there's penalties under this federal Affordable Care Act penalty. And for people who don't have an approved health insurance program, the penalty is almost doubling this year. So, for example, in 2016, it's now $695 per individual as a penalty if you're not carrying the right kind of health insurance. So get it checked out. If you have questions, get in touch with our office. We'll be happy to sit down with you and talk about that. Tax brackets themselves haven't changed uh, this year, um, but um, it's important to know your tax bracket. So, for example, if you're in the 28% tax bracket, it means that everything that you make over a certain level is going to be taxed at the 28% level. That's important if you want to make a contribution to a church, as an example. Mileage deductions. Well, guess what's happened in this country, ladies and gentlemen? The price of oil has gone really drastically down. Um, you might think it's good. It's good for the consumer, but it's a disaster for the economy. It's a disaster for the oil companies. Not that we want to feel badly for the oil companies. They've made lots of profits over the years but it has a significant impact on the entire world economy and it's dragging down the world economy. Um, and so oil prices are something that continue to be a problem. Well, guess what? Last year you could deduct for mileage. Um, if you deducted uh, business miles, for example, 57 and a half cents per mile. Well, because the cost of fuel has gone down, you can no longer deduct that much money. Now it's 54 cents a mile. Sounds like a small amount, but for people in business or if they have businesses that have cars involved in them, uh, there's an impact on that deduction. And Tenny, in your area, the estate and gift tax exemption goes up slightly to $5,450,000 this yes, year. but that's the federal exemption. That's and the federal people, exemption only. People need to understand the difference. Um, there is a federal estate tax and virtually everyone is exempt from that other than the very wealthy because the exemption, as Ray just said, is $5.4 million this year, or for a couple, $10.8 million. So It's almost $11 million. Yep. So now, does that impact anybody listening to the radio station today? Possibly a couple of people, but probably not more than that. There are very few people who have to worry about paying federal estate tax. But many people um, do have to worry about the Massachusetts estate tax, which continues to have an exemption of only $1 million. And by the way, there's uh, something called the annual gift exclusion. That hasn't changed at all for 2016. 
What that means very basically is that if you want to give away money to somebody, let's use money because it's an easier example, you can give away $14,000 to an unlimited number of people. It's called an annual exclusion. There's no gift reporting on that. And by the way, there's no gift tax in Massachusetts anyway, is there, Tenny? No, there is no gift tax. There is no inheritance tax. But I do want to clarify something about that gift tax exclusion. Many people think that they have a limit of $14,000 that they can give to any one person during the year. That's only if you don't wish to file a gift tax return. What I continue to tell people is that if you wish to uh, make gifts for other purposes like Medicaid exclusions or those sorts of things, that if you give above 14000 per person per year, all you have to do is file a gift tax return with your income tax the next April, but there is no gift tax per se because the exemption on the federal level is so high. They just so, want to file because they want to know your business. Right. The IRS wants to be able to add up at the end of your lifetime all of the gifts that you have made over time and have had to report because they were over 14000 But if those totals do not exceed $5.4 million per person, you're not going to have any gift tax to worry about. Let me give you a practical example of that. Uh, this is a true story. It was just a few days ago. I met with a couple, and they have, I think, three, maybe four different residences. And they have a daughter who's living in one of the residences, and they said, we'd like to give this residence to our daughter. And I said, well, that's good because you're worth more than $2 million. And even though you've protected yourself from the Massachusetts estate tax exemption with $2 million of exemptions, you still have some assets you could afford to give away. So they said, well, how should we do that? And I said, well, here's what you might consider doing. Why don't you deed the house over to your daughter and put a price on it? Let's say it's $200,000. Uh, let's say that's what the house is worth. It's a single-family house in New Bedford. And then have your daughter and her husband sign a promissory note and a mortgage for $200,000. And now what you want to do is you've deeded the house over to them, but now you want to gift using this $14,000 annual exclusion. So that way they don't have to file a gift tax return by just saying, here, here's the house for $200,000 and file a gift tax return. So here's what they're going to do. They're going to do a deed to the daughter and her husband. They're going to do a note and a mortgage back. Um, <clears throat> then they're going to sign a little document saying, we're hereby making you a gift. The father is going to give $14,000 to his daughter, and he's going to give $14,000 to the son-in-law by forgiving the note. It's $28,000. Um, the mother is going to do exactly the same thing. She's going to forgive $14,000 of this note to the daughter, and she's going to forgive $14,000 of this note for the son-in-law. There's another 28000 So right away, as soon as they deed the house and have the note and the mortgage, they're going to forgive $56,000 of the debt. Next year, they'll forgive another 56000 and in less than four years, they have gift, gifted away the note, forgiven the note, And the daughter and the son-in-law now own the house free and clear. Plus, the daughter and the son-in-law get it at uh, an increased basis because it was effectively sold to them for the $200,000, not for a dollar, which is what a lot of people do. Yes, but there's one other important tax concept, too. 
because they have this house, if they live there for at least two years as their primary residence, they could also turn around anytime after that and sell it. And the first $250,000 of capital gain is tax-free for each of the daughter and her husband. So they're not going to pay any capital gains tax anyway. So it's a great way if you want to dispose of a house and give a house to a younger generation, it's a great way to do it. It is. And um, depending upon whether you have a concern about a nursing home in your future, it may be that you want to do the gifting without the note and mortgage so that the disqualification period of five years begins immediately. Um, So there's all kinds of Uh, Everything we've just been talking about depends upon your circumstances and the combination of these little trickeries, uh, as we may call them, um, in order to solve the problem that you might have. But the important thing, I think, is the important message is you have to constantly think about how can you make more money? How can you save more money? How can you save taxes? What are some of the things that you can do? And they're not tricks. They're there are laws, there are regulations, there are things that are available to you if you simply reach out and get some proper advice for how to do it. Tenny, if somebody wants to come and talk to you about doing wills and trust, uh, where are you located and how do they reach you? We are located on Fonts Corner Road in North Dartmouth, almost across from Vanity Fair. Um, we are at 352 Fonts Corner Road, and our telephone number is 508 998 8800. If you'd like to come in for a free initial consultation, please call that number and one of our um, employees would be happy to set an appointment for you. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to have some financial information and get some information on places where you can place your money that you might be making more than what you're doing right now, that's what we do at USA Wealth Group. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. We have... um, We have a bunch of free reports we can give you. We have information on Medicare. We have Baby Boomer's Guide to Social Security Planning. These are free reports that are available to you. As we do seminars in the future talking about retirement planning, we'll invite you and tell you more about that at that time. But you've got to think today, I think, of where do you put your money Uh, Robert Allen once said, how many millionaires do you know who have become wealthy by investing in savings accounts? I rest my case. That was a quotation from that gentleman. Um, But the fact is, we still encourage people to think carefully about whether you want the risk of being in stock markets. Do you have enough knowledge? Are you getting proper advice? Is it a good place for you to be or is it not a good place for you to be? If you retire from a company and you've got a 401k as an example, you have choices to make when you retire. And typically we don't recommend people leave their funds in the 401k account because not only do you have typical IRS regulations on what to do with those funds, but now you've got company rules and regulations as well. In addition, you have a lot more choices about how you can place your money safely without having to have Stock market risk, for example. Stock market risk is not for everybody. Right. Every time I hear that the stock market has gone down another 200 points or 400 points or however awful it's been at the 2016 time frame, I think about why do people stay in the stock market? Why don't they come in and talk to you, Ray, about investments that 
provide a guaranteed no-loss principle and a guaranteed return. Well, thank you for that uh, little plug. I mean, there is a place for stock market investing. I, I still think it's primarily a place for younger people because if they take a loss, they have more time to make up a loss. But it's not a place for the faint of heart. It's not a place, I think, when you get older and you're dealing with retirement monies, IRAs, 401k accounts, 403bs, 457s. Um, I think you need to think about getting more conservative with what you're doing. And many people don't really understand that mutual funds are being in the stock market and having your account remain at a 401k or 403b investment is being in the stock market. Um, So I really recommend to people that they make an appointment and go over and see you, Ray. Well, thanks. And uh, if you want to do that, give us a call at 508-998-8858. You know, um, we're going to move on from talking about taxes because I do want to talk about Medicaid planning. And um, Mighty Tenney will give us some useful information. Mighty Mighty Tenney. I like that. That's a new name. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) I can see you now on the front of Marvel Comics, Mighty Small but powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You know, one of the things I like to do is look for quotations, and I look for some quotations on Medicaid. And they're not funny. They're just all political, unfortunately. (laughs) And, of course, typically the Republicans have one outlook on Medicaid, which is get rid of it, and the Democrats have a different outlook on Medicaid, which is to extend the program. But, uh, Tenny, I was reading some really interesting information lately. There's 1,583,000 people in Massachusetts covered by Medicare, Medicaid excuse me, as of May 2015. A million, almost a million six people in the state of Massachusetts. Yes, but remember that when most people think about Medicaid, they're talking about the long-term care program for people in nursing homes. In effect, Medicaid is a health insurance program under MassHealth. And it covers more than just uh, nursing homes. So when you give that number, it may be a little bit misleading to a lot of folk. Okay, good. Well, let's let's talk about the um, Mass Health program. What does Mass Health cover? I know it administers the Medicaid program. Well, let's assume that what we're talking about is the Medicaid program for those who are in nursing homes or in need of long-term care. Okay. That's what most people think about uh, at our age uh, when they're talking about Medicaid. And many people get very confused about the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. I continue to have people come in my office and say, well, I have Medicare and I have a supplement. I might have Blue Cross or Tufts or United or even TRICARE, and they think, therefore, they are covered for a nursing home. That's not the case. Just yesterday, I explained to a couple that you want to think of your Medicare and supplemental plan coverage as being for hospitals and doctors and nurses, those kinds of things, but not for long-term care. If you're worried about long-term care, you're eventually probably going to be concerned with the Medicaid program. Okay. It's still interesting to me, though, that the population in Massachusetts is um, uh, six and a half million people, and we still have 
you know, a million six who are receiving Medicaid assistance. That's a big number, I still think. That's mm-hmm. really true. Another number that's um, overwhelming to me is the divisor number that MassHealth uses for disqualification transfers. I, I won't get into the details of that, but the number is over $300 per day mm. that the state pays to support everyone who is on Medicaid long-term care in the state. 300 wanna, a day. I want to pursue that uh, right after a short break, and I want to tell people, stay tuned because we're going to explain to you how you can get from uh, Attorney Tenny Lance a family guide on Medicaid planning. We'll be right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. We're so happy to be with you every week. Um, we think that there's so many things that uh, we have information about that are useful to teach the public in general. And there's a great deal of satisfaction when somebody comes up to me and says, I listen to your show every week and I find it uh, informative and I learn something every week. Yes. I like to think, Phil, that I learn something every single day. I, I read, well, teachers mostly do. I read papers voraciously. I like to read books. Yeah. I, I think I might have mentioned, I'm not sure, I just read an interesting book called uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Pirates of Tripoli. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's actually, I didn't realize it when I bought it. I bought it from um, BJ's. It was about $15. Uh, very interesting book, small read, and it's the really, really, it's the story of the origins of the Marine Barbary Corps Coast. and the Barbary Coast pirates. Mm-hmm. And what was happening at that time is that the Muslim countries, uh, Egypt, Libya, Tripoli, Morocco, Morocco, Tenny's shaking not, her head because not Egypt, not Egypt. Um, well, actually, they <laughs> crossed they crossed through Egypt um, only to, and, to and, attack. Yes, and but anyway, an ex- and led an expedition <laughs> to go after the Barbary pirates. But uh, we were being held hostage. The world was being held hostage by, uh, and I'm not using this word in a derogatory sense, but by the Muslim nations who were attacking the vessels, the shipping trade, taking captives, capturing ships. Uh, and then the nations started to pay a ransom, basically. Yeah. England did, France did. The United States started to, but it was a very poor nation when we first began. And finally... Um, Thomas Jefferson said, we need to build some ships. And he basically delegated it to the Navy and said, go take care of the problem. And they did. A lot of gumption and a lot of decisiveness that uh, we could use around the world today. You know, that last movie that came out a couple of years ago about some uh, gentlemen from our own uh, academy here at Buzzards Bay were on this ship that mm-hmm. was invaded by uh, lots of times these pirates, right? Yep. It still happens yeah, on the east coast of Africa. It'd yeah. be interesting to see how much money insurance companies pay out for these. What is a ransom, you know? Well, it's a very interesting little read. And when you read the the book, you realize that a lot of the problems still exist today. Yeah, exactly. Really, the problem really hasn't gone away. Uh, it's called uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pirates, or the Pirates very of Tripoli. Very, very good read. Mm-hmm. On the New York bestseller uh, nonfiction list, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, after I read it, I realized it was on the bestseller list. But in any event, we're talking about Medicaid. We're here with Attorney Tenny Lance. Uh, Tenny, you've done a lot of work in the community as well. I know you've done a lot of work in the historic district. Uh, Tenny wrote the grant applications when she was in charge of the New Bedford Historic Preservation Office. Uh, she wrote the grant applications that put the cobblestones back in the historic districts and the streetlights, and she paid to have buildings 
She got grants that paid to have buildings moved and did a lot of interesting things in the historic district. A lot of a lot of good people, including yeah. Tenney, have really made a difference in what our city looks like today. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Tenney. You are welcome. And small but powerful. <laughs> Mighty Tenney. Mighty Tenney. I want to do the introduction to that one. <laughs> Starring Mighty Tenney. I think that was Mighty Mouse. <laughs> well, I was kind of thinking about that one. Yes, I remember Mighty Mouse. Remember Mighty Mouse? <laughs> Here he comes to save the day. <laughs> <laughs> all right, no more jokes about powerful Tenney. But uh, thank you for all you have done to help New Bedford, Tenney. So let's come back and talk about Medicaid. Uh, Medicaid is different from Medicare, and we were talking about that briefly. People confuse the two, don't they? They do, um, and people think that they are all set with regard to a nursing home because they have Medicare. But, of course, all of us who are 65 or over have Medicare, and that does not pay for long-term care in a nursing home. No, it doesn't. Let me give you a quotation about Medicaid from Rick Perry, uh, governor of Texas, former candidate for president. I think every program needs to stand the sunshine of righteous scrutiny, whether it's Social Security, whether it's Medicaid, whether it's Medicare. Well, you know, I can get on my soapbox about Medicaid. Um, For some reason, Congress, which has been Republican-dominated lately, uh, believes that the elderly population is ripping off the country and is getting beyond its fair share of rewards when people are relegated to a nursing home and when their assets may not be used for that care. My sense about it is that the people who are the elderly in this country have worked very hard all of their lives, have saved, have um, really put aside for their uh, retirement, and want to pass it on as a legacy to their children or to their community through nonprofits, and then to have that totally torn from them because one person happens to be unfortunate enough to go into a nursing home, makes me furious. It does. And, you know, we have to remember, most importantly, just talking policy for a moment, that Medicare and Medicaid are programs designed to help people who have a need. And politicians gang up on uh, either side of it. A gentleman named James Walsh said, how we continue to fund Medicare and Medicaid into the future is a pressing issue of national concern. It's a major piece of the state budget. It's a major piece of the federal budget. Uh, Juan Williams said, when it comes to serious cuts to major programs like Medicaid, the American people are not calling for leadership but magic. They want cuts with no pain. And Kay Bailey Hutchinson said, we cannot afford to lose the Medicaid funding for low-income women. We have to remember always that Medicaid and Medicare are programs to help poor people, especially Medicaid. And as Tenney said, uh, nursing home costs are out of sight. But a lot of the problem, I think, has to do with how the programs are managed and how they're administered. There is a lot of waste. There is a lot of fraud. I was just going to say that, that there really needs to be a thorough examination of the way the elderly are cared for in this country because... The, the process is so difficult to get uh, funded with Medicaid. It's very bureaucratic. It takes sometimes months or years to get on the Medicaid program. 
if there were just a means to make everyone eligible for some care and some help or care at home that most people obviously would prefer, then perhaps we can cut these costs. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you one sort of uh, Republican quotation, then I want to give you one sort of neutral quotation on Medicaid. Uh, Bobby Jindal from uh, the state of Louisiana said, I don't think anybody should be expanding Medicaid. I think it is a mistake to create new and more expensive entitlement programs when we cannot afford the ones we've got today. We've got to stop this culture of government dependence. And then on the other side of the point, uh, Tim Murphy said, tens of billions of dollars could be saved in Medicare and Medicaid alone by eliminating fraud and improving patient care. Not only would this save money, but it would save lives. So it's controversial. It tends to go along party lines, unfortunately, about whether people support it or don't support it. But, Tenny, Medicaid is is uh, administered in Massachusetts how? By MassHealth, I believe. That's right. It's, it's a program that is funded with both federal and state monies. And the federal government in every state has... Um, allocated its monies to a particular department that administers them. And in Massachusetts, it's MassHealth. And what is confusing to a lot of people is that MassHealth is the general overall body that administers uh, health insurance type of programs to everyone from babies on up. Um, But in this case, MassHealth, through the um, several offices in the state, are the applicant... um, first uh, placement for uh, people's applications for the long-term care Medicaid program. Let's focus on that for a minute because I think that's probably a topic that's of most concern to people listening today. Um, In order to qualify for Medicaid through the MassHealth program, basically you have to be poor, right? You have to have spent down your assets. Yes. If you are a single person, you can have no more than $2,000 in what the state calls your countable asset category. And countable assets include things like bank accounts, IRA accounts, life insurance policies that have cash value, annuities, all of those sorts of things. There are also things called exempt assets. And so a single person might be able to have a house and keep that for some period of time and can keep one car and a small life insurance policy that does not have much cash value. And they can make funeral plans that may be fairly elaborate. But those are the only assets that are not countable. So the vast majority of what people own is a countable asset. Many people believe that their retirement assets, whether they are 401ks or IRAs, are exempt, and they are not. Okay, so obviously people sometimes need to qualify for Medicaid assistance. They have to go to a nursing home, for example. They'd rather not become broke in order to do that. Or the at-home spouse, well, does the at-home spouse get to keep a certain amount of financial assets? Yes, if you are a, um, a pair, um, a married couple, The person who remains at home is called the community spouse. And that community spouse can keep about $119,000 of what's called countable assets. 
whether those are bank accounts or stocks or annuities or whatever. But that's all that the community spouse can keep in order for the ill spouse, the one that is in the nursing home called the institutionalized spouse, in order for that person to be eligible for Medicaid. Ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder, we're talking with attorney Tenny Lance from Lance Law, Inc. She's at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. And Tenny, I know you do a lot of work in helping people keep assets and protect assets. Um, Can you just give assets away? Is that a possibility to protect assets? Let's say you think somebody's going to go into a nursing home in a couple of years. Can you start giving their assets away? Yes, people are, as we discussed earlier in the program, free to give assets away generally without any gift tax issue. However, there is something called the five-year look-back in the Medicaid program. So if you were to give away, let's say, $30,000 to your children or or one child today, then you would be disqualified from Medicaid eligibility for five years. People have an uh, odd sense of what the disqualification five-year look-back is, but it starts on the day that you give it away, give some asset away, and it goes forward in time for five years. So basically, you need to do some advanced planning if you're thinking about protecting assets. Right. The problem is that back in 2006, Congress changed the look-back period from three years to five years. And five years is a long time. Um, None of us know if within five years we may need to be in a nursing home, heaven forbid. Sure. I'm not planning to be in a nursing home myself. How about you, Tenny? I know. Ray always says, just shoot me. And I say, oh, sure. I'll just do that. Go for a long walk in the woods someday. (laughs) Take a picnic lunch (laughs) and a little bottle of something. (laughs) Now, that's that's not a joking topic either. No, it is not. Nobody wants to be in a nursing home. Nobody ever wants to be in a nursing home. So what about, um, can you give your house to your kids? Do you recommend giving your house to your kids? Well, we generally don't recommend that for a lot of reasons, um, at least without some good planning and some documents in place. Um, If you give your house to your children, first of all, you give them a capital gains issue. We talked about that earlier in Mm -hmm. the program. We did. Um, Secondly, if they should go bankrupt, if they should run over somebody by mistake and get sued, it's your house that's at risk. And you look at the five-year look back from the day that you make that gift. So in general, we don't suggest to people that they do that. Okay. And what about, I've heard of something called an irrevocable income-only trust. Yes, a very valuable planning tool. Again, you need five years. But if you wish to, you could um, sign this document called an irrevocable trust and then deed your property into it as long as you have five years from that date to be well and not go into a nursing home, then your house can be protected from the Medicaid program. And Tenny, um, I know one of the things that some people do, although it's a bit expensive, is long-term care insurance as a way to protect your assets. Yes, long-term care has become an important topic. Uh, Long-term care insurance under the Massachusetts laws, can protect your house. And here's how. 
the state has said that if you purchase what is called a minimum policy, that is $125 of coverage per day for two years, and you have that coverage when you go into a nursing home and need Medicaid, then the state will not place a lien on your house. Now, that lien is a recovery mechanism for everything that the state has paid on your behalf, and it can build up large, and it can build up quickly so that the equity that you have in your house might disappear in a year or two unless you had something like long-term care insurance. Um, Okay. It's a complicated type of insurance. We do not sell it, but we have people that we recommend that you speak with about it. We have some referral sources for that. Right. So, Tenny, in our household, um, I do not have long-term care insurance because I've got some arthritis and can't qualify for it. But you have long-term care insurance. So as we plan going forward in the future in our household, it'll be okay if you go to the nursing home. Well, (laughs) I've always said that if my kids need to place me in uh, a nursing home, that's okay as long as I have a chance to read as much as I want and get somebody to clean my room and give me three meals a day. That's okay. Okay. Not, Not for everyone. I'm only kidding. No, but at least um, you have the protection of having long-term care insurance, and it's very important. The other interesting thing about your having long-term care insurance is you did it at least 10 years ago, so you did it when you were much younger. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, long-term care insurance is based upon age and health. Uh, Those are the underwriting factors. So the younger you do it and the more healthy you are when you purchase it, then the less it will cost. Yeah, 50 to 60 is probably a good age range to be thinking about doing it. Uh, When you get to be 65 and older, it starts to get more expensive. You can still do it, and it's still a good way to protect the house and protect other assets. That's right, and my premiums have not risen in all the many years that I have had it, so I feel very lucky. Yeah, you're with a good company, too. Uh, She's with John Hancock, and that Mm. happens to be one of the earlier um, entrants into the long-term care business, and they've stuck with it. They, they still do long-term care insurance and do a very good job with it. Um, as Tendi said, we don't sell it in our office from what I do, but um, I have a good relationship with somebody who works full-time for John Hancock, and we place it through his office. So if anybody's interested, it doesn't cost any money to get quotations, and usually it'll be from several different uh, companies as well, so you can compare. So a good thing to do. Tenny, you can also private pay if you go to a nursing home, but um, that's not really any fun for people, is it? Well, in reality, there are only two ways to pay for a nursing home. One is private pay, and the other is Medicaid. And eventually, most people who are in the nursing home for any length of time run out of money to private pay with. So the vast majority of people in our nursing homes eventually get on the Medicaid program. But that means that their families may have spent down all of the assets uh, to a very low level and therefore uh, have frustrated the rest of the family that those assets are gone. You know, Phil, in retirement, a lot of people think that, well, my expenses are going to be less and so forth. But it is a fact well documented that medical expenses in general tend to be a lot more expensive in retirement. Yes. And then If you do have an injury, if you do have surgery, if you do spend time in rehab, if you do spend time in a nursing home, 
It can really rapidly deplete somebody's estate and somebody's assets. So when you're thinking about retirement, when you're thinking about planning, when you're thinking about protecting assets, not only for uh, each other in a couple situation or protecting assets for the next generation, you really have to do some planning. And that implies, you know, doing certain basic documents, I would think, Tenny. Well, absolutely. We think that the basic documents that everyone should have, and we've repeated this many times, are um, a will, a durable power of attorney for property, health care documents, and that includes a health care power of attorney, a HIPAA form, and that allows for medical releases to somebody other than yourself, and a living will, as well as a homestead on your home, uh, and perhaps a trust of one type or another, either a living trust or maybe an irrevocable trust. But everyone should have those documents in place. And I guess one of the reasons to have some of those documents in place is if a person should become incapacitated or mentally incompetent, they no longer have the capacity to do documents. So you need to do it while you're still healthy and have your your wits about you, don't you? That's just it. Um, What happens if somebody becomes suddenly mentally incapacitated um, is that families often have to go to court to have someone appointed as either a guardian or a conservator. And a guardian takes care of someone's body and a conservator takes care of somebody's property. And all of that can be avoided if you have the durable powers of attorney for property and health care in place before anything happens to you. So that's why we believe everyone should have these documents. You know, we focused a lot about talking about uh, long-term care and Medicaid assistance if somebody has to go to a nursing home. There are a lot of people in the community receiving Medicaid assistance as well who are disabled. And something interesting happened last year right after Governor Baker became governor. In uh, July of 2015, the state went through a program of reevaluating whether people are truly eligible to receive Medicaid assistance or not. They had to recertify, and they did eligibility checks. Um, Eligibility checks are actually required annually under federal law, but they hadn't been performed in Massachusetts since 2013. So last year they did it, and they were able to uh, save about $760 million by finding out that some people were no longer eligible to receive Medicaid. So this is not to create concern for those of you who might be receiving Medicaid assistance right now, but just to remind everybody that it is an eligibility program and you have to qualify for it. And if you haven't returned the papers back to the state, you need to do that. And if you're concerned about protecting assets, you need to sit down with somebody like Tenny and get advice on how to do that. Tenny, what if somebody, let's say it's a couple and they have a house and you said the house is exempt when one person goes to the nursing home. They can't make you sell the house, but I guess they can put a lien on it eventually? Yes. If the house is in the name of both the spouses and one of the spouses is in the nursing home and eventually gets on the Medicaid program, then a lien will attach to that house. And what that means is the person still in the community called the community spouse is allowed to live in that house for the rest of his or her life and the state will not force the sale of the house. However, upon the death of that person and the person in the nursing home, then the house must be sold, and often the lien that has built up 
then takes all of the equity in the house, and anybody who inherits that house uh, ends up with very little because the state has to be repaid. That's called a state recovery. Okay, one other quick thing I want to mention because we're uh, winding down the end of this particular show on Medicaid with attorney Tenny Lance. Um, 508-998-8800 is your number. What if you had a husband and wife? Okay, so the, let's say the wife goes to the nursing home, the husband stays at home, um, gets to stay in the house. He's got $120,000 of assets, which he can keep, but he has another $100,000 on top of that. Can't he take that extra money and convert it into an income source for himself and be able to keep the income from that? Absolutely, he can. He can purchase what is called an immediate annuity, single premium immediate annuity, and he can obtain for himself over his life expectancy a monthly payment that will return all of that uh, premium payment money to him or to his descendants. In so, fact, I met with some folks last week where a gentleman had done exactly that. Um, his wife subsequently had passed away, but he was able to take the money and convert it and create more income for himself. So the important point of our discussion today, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening, is that there are things you can do to protect assets. You've got to think about getting proper advice. Go see somebody like attorney Tenny Lance telephone number one last time 508-998-8800 thank you for being with us Tenny and ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening we look forward to bringing you more interesting topics next week